Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that Those Sci-Fi Guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts, I am P.S. McKay, coming to you from a dark and stormy night. Post-Halloween. And I'm T.T. Cavman, and... Meh. Meh. <laughs> Meh. Well, I mean, we don't want to beat around the bush. How was Halloween? Uh, some kids stepped in my bushes. No, did they really? Some of the younger kids. Oh, God. Where, I mean, please tell me they're like the green planted bushes and not like freshly planted winter flowers or something. No, they were they were stuff that had been here <clears throat> since the house moved in. Just got a mildly trampled to death. <laughs> I don't I don't laugh at your pain. It's just you got to love little kids, right? Yeah, <laughs> They're so it's, innocent. It's, it's the little ones. It wasn't like the teenagers and, you know, the house wasn't egged yeah. because you would have seen it on the news because I would have returned fire and I'm far more accurate. <laughs> you would have returned fire. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> Massachusetts does not take kindly to that, by the way. You got to be careful about that. They don't take kindly to suffering. If you execute it quickly and efficiently, they're okay. Okay. As long as we're on the same page, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't like you running up the hospital bills. <laughs> so you had a pretty eventful weekend. Yeah, actually, I did. It was it was it was fun. A lot of family, a lot of friends. Um, you know, Friday was your typical. Drag my ass home from work and just be glad to be done with it for a couple of days. But <clears throat> Saturday, uh, me and my dad and my sister and my daughter went to a, an exhibition college basketball game. But it was my alma mater versus my parents and sister's alma mater. And that was fun. Uh, Where is your parents and sister's alma mater? In the central part of the state. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Thank you. Rather than looking it up, I had to ask. So <sighs> never assume. That's fine. Who never won? Never assume. <laughs> Dude, one's a division one school, the other's a division two school. So their school won. <sighs> <laughs> I say that because your school annihilated us in the in the uh, in March Madness like three or four years ago. So <laughs> I know the man can coach. We got a great coach. Yeah, you do. You um, do. But man, it it was just kind of neat. It was obviously no pressure. You know, I mean, went to the old Civic Center, and I mean there was. It's not a huge facility, but it was partially full. <laughs> well, uh, even partially full for an exhibition game, that's that's good. I remember going there to those. There might have been a 1,000 or 2,000 people out of a, uh, a, te- a 10,000. Let me tell you, that's something 10, better. As a as a yell leader for USC, That was that's a lot better than a lot of some of the attended games that I had to cheer at. Yeah, no, so. I, I know that. <laughs> I know. It was, uh, but it was fun. A little bit of mild trash talking. My kid decided to uh, 
cheer for my alma mater because she apparently nice. at 11 years old wants to go there. You're her favorite. <laughs> oh, Lord. But it was fun. Um, you know, the uh, my dad and the neighbors always had this game and that's kind of passed on to the next generation. You know, first person to see somebody that they know at random places, everybody owes them a drink. Nice. Okay. So there was probably a dozen fans from my, <laughs> uh, from <laughs> the other school, maybe, maybe 20 tops out of not a whole lot. It's a bit um, of a drive. Because not really. I know. I mean, that, that's, kinda, the point. that's kind of the you point. You have to go you into know? Providence. That's the thing. No, my point is it's close enough. You know, these exhibition games, there were a lot of kids there, kids in costume, kids dancing all over the place. So it was, it was fun. People had a good time, except for maybe the losing team. But <laughs> because there That's were so good. few people from the, uh, the opposition, the visitors there, that when my dad and sister bumped into a couple, they just stayed and talked. They they talked like uh-huh. so. We were there for a little while at the, and this was at the end of the game after the game was over and everybody's leaving. And my daughter turns and says, Hey, to somebody and turns around. She's like, you know, it's a kid from a kid from that pool club that we would go to. Oh no. But it's, the uh, it, uh, the girl's mother was married to uh, uh, one of my neighbors, uh, <laughs> and she, of course, we went to college together, so we knew each other okay a little okay. back in the college days. But you know, it was hi, like, oh hey, hi, how you doing? <laughs> so yeah, so I was like. Mm-hmm. Turned to dad, I'm like, you guys owe us a round. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Glad it all Saturday out. was just the uh, confluence of all the the old neighborhood and all the kid, you know, all the families coming by and doing a little four house trick or treat Sunday morning. Now, go through the specifics of how this neighborhood crawl works. I think it's the first time they've done it. One of the individuals, uh, one of the kids from the neighborhood, decided it would be good. You know, most of the grandparents were going to be around, and a lot of the people lived in the area. So everybody said, hey, let's do a costume crawl. And, you know, everybody can go to their grandparents' house and get some candy, and all the kids can hang out and. We'll do it before the Patriots game. And then they decided to throw a curveball. Oh, well, there's there's a Halloween parade in a couple of the towns right <laughs> around game time. So we, we bumped it back a little because there were people who wanted to go to the game. But, you know, my sister was down. You know, some, some people came from a little bit further away, you know, a couple towns over or something like that uh, to do it. It was fun. People, we By then we sat down and... Uh, 
you know, while some, you know, a lot of people kind of went to the winds to do different things, we sat down at my folks' house and watched the watched the Pats game. Uh, my uh, daughter spent a lot of time uh, uh, playing with her cousin, so she was excited about that. <laughs> nice. Then some friends who weren't able to make the crawl came by uh, and stopped by for a little while in the afternoon at, during the second half of the game. So it was a nice weekend. And then, of course, last night was Halloween, and this was the first time my daughter had actually we really lived in a neighborhood where she knew a lot of the kids and we went out in a group and most of the time other places we lived in we didn't really know anybody just due to yeah schedules and stuff like that so it's been helpful we went out in a group there's like about a half dozen kids kind of wandering around our neighborhood is great for halloween it was awesome you know a lot of people were very festive and well, my wife manned the door and handed out the candy. I went out mm-hmm. with the group of kids. I may or may not have had a, uh, you know, a, a roadie. I may or may not have had a pouch that had a couple of roadies in them. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm sitting here thinking I'm I'm being I'm being a terrible father walking around the neighborhood with a with a, a solo cup, but you had a you had a couple. <laughs> well, I brought some to share with, you know, I don't like to go anywhere being invited to people's houses without bringing something, you know? Right, right. Uh, so, but, we, you know, kind of three sets of, you know, parents, I guess, three families it was really, and we kind of walked around the neighborhood and it's only like 40 houses. So the kids get, you know, they were done in half an hour. Mm-hmm. And then one one of the you know guys invited us over to their house, and all the kids were like laying out candy, and then they started trading. They're like, "I don't like yeah. this. Who wants this?" So, "Oh, I want this. I'll trade you this," which is actually <laughs> pretty good because I don't ever remember doing that as a kid. Uh, okay, so when I lived in Colorado, I did it with a couple of neighborhood kids there, and then I moved to New England, and I didn't know anyone. Uh, and that was a terrible first grade Halloween. It was awful because number one, it rained. And number two, I couldn't do the candy trade. And we never did it when we in our neighborhood either. We didn't do the candy. We, we, no, occasionally, maybe. But like it wasn't like a full on like stock trade like no. like it is, you know, because um, uh, we did the we candy would... trade stock trade last night, too. Well, we, we <laughs> would do it within the house sometimes like. I would have something that maybe my sister liked who I didn't. And that was about it. Yeah. But we were, yeah. We weren't doing like trades. Like it was like draft picks out there, but they were, and they were swapping <laughs> fairly. There was no arguing. There was one kid who doesn't really like chocolate. So we liked a lot of the sour patch kids and Skittles oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So yep. people were trading fairly fair, <laughs> you know, pretty fairly. And all of us adults were sitting around looking, did you ever trade candy on Halloween? No. <laughs> what have you crossed my mind? You know, right. we were just sitting there. What one of our neighbors actually made some moonshine and was handing them out to the parents as they would walk by. Oh my the god! Kids that they want <laughs> neighborhood parents, not no yeah. nobody driving. I know. Because I know. Of, our neighborhood was is off of a main drag, and 
there are people who live on that main drag who can't really trick or treat. So a lot of people would come down or people from smaller neighborhoods would come over. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of people from out, you know, who weren't in the neighborhood, but yeah, I'd say out of the 40 houses, I'd say 30 probably participated. That's nice. That's a good haul. Yeah. That's, that's a satisfying Halloween right there. Yeah. I mean, we've lived in places where, we had to do a little ex- hiking to get people, you know, to get that kind of haul. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was fun. The kids had a good time. We did have to leave a little earlier than than we would have liked just because I had to come back and finish some work. And, you know, I just didn't want to leave my kid there. Not that they would. They're only like three houses down. It's not wasn't anything that just figured. We all go home together. We actually got a couple of kids late. That normally, when you have late, later kids, it's usually teenagers, mm-hmm. you know. But we had a few younger kids late. Parents definitely looked like they were people who just got out of work and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there How was late? Family. The last kid showed up at eight o'clock. Normally, well, that's not late. Mo- well, most towns really only do, you know, either 5.30 to 7.30 or 6 to 8. So, like, and, and it wasn't that we, did, we didn't mind. It's just that, you know, I was ready to jump in the shower. My daughter was getting ready to jump in the shower after being out. And then the, the doorbell rang. And there was a little, this little girl in a Buzz Lightyear costume. Aww. Of course, my daughter's, like, giving her, like, you know, a handful of what's left <laughs> of our candy just right in there. Yeah, she also had she also had topped off a few items, you know, from her basket that she didn't really like that no one traded for. So she 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 was like regifting, but it was good. Like the next, she did that, and then the doorbell rang, and there was like four teenagers there, and they just <laughs> off the top. So. Oh god, yeah. Nice. But everybody, honestly, everybody was polite. That my my wife didn't complain about anybody with any problems. The kids were generally polite, you know. Nice. It was just a very nice Halloween. It was warm, too. Uh, you remember we had Halloweens where we were in winter coats or oh, raincoats. Yeah. Or was raincoats. Nice. Yeah. It had rained on and off uh, over the last couple of days, or yesterday and today a little bit, but there, there was no rain at all during trick-or-treating, and the weather was, was probably the finished the day in the mid 60s so when the mm-hmm. kids were going out it was still nice enough that they didn't need to wear coats under or over their costumes That's what are nice. you supposed to be frosty the snowman no i'm yeah I'm like i'm darth vader just under this yeah. park I, w- I went as the karate kid one year and because it was so cold and rainy i refused to wear my my winter coat over my karate gi so I put it under my karate gi and stuffed myself into the gi with, with this coat on. <laughs> so you look like Chris Farley in Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, and that was just yesterday. No, I just <laughs> How about you? Did your, did your kids have a good Halloween? We did. Uh, we host we host Halloween. We've been doing it for the last four or five years now. Where my in laws come over, my brother comes over with his son and wife, and um, I saw the pictures. My... Oh, I haven't even seen the pictures. 
um, my son had hit one of his friends, his best friend come over, uh, cause his mother last year, hit, the Braves were in the world series and she wanted to see the game, but she didn't want to be neglectful to her son by listening yeah. to it while trick or treating. So she's like, he'll have a better time with you guys. Is that okay? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. Open invitation. He's a good kid. Fair enough. The um, Red Sox have always had the common decency to finish off the World Series before <laughs> the Halloween. Yeah, they do. They have, haven't they? Um, so, yeah, so we had a good group. You know, we had like four kids. Three, four, three, three, four. Four kids. Um, and, you know, my wife ma- made some homemade lasagna, uh, mm. as is tradition for us for some reason. I know it's not a traditional Halloween food, but... Um, well, I mean, to each their own. Uh, I mean, honestly, you know, I'm not somebody who dives really into the Halloween, you know, people like Halloweening up their food. If you yeah. just bring me a pizza or something, I'm good. Yeah. Well, but, my hey, wife, hey, you got a tradition. <laughs> and that's, that's cool. If the kids have just a memory of what is their, you know, a neat tradition. Mm-hmm. We've, but most of our holiday traditions have been the three of us alone somewhere on a lot of holidays which is nice we have each other but most of our holiday traditions involved uh skyping various the best with the three of you (laughs) yeah yeah let's open the presents on skype with your grandparents i'm really glad your daughter gets to be able to experience the neighborhood atmosphere with friends and stuff for halloween that's good yeah those are, those are some of my most fond memories. She you had know? a great time. Now, yeah. some of the kids she's friends with are, are about a year, maybe even two younger, a couple of them in the neighborhood. But she, even if they were probably the same age, she's still so much taller than all of them. It's funny. <laughs> she looks, she, you know, I mean, she looks like she's like 13 next to these kids. Yeah. Um, and she is tall. It, yeah. She is tall. Yeah. It's, Funny though, because like in the dusk hours, and the kids are like sprinting. They were, they were. I don't know. They were sprinting to the houses. They weren't walking. They sprint to the houses. I'm like, you guys you know <laughs> you can just. I mean, we would have Dude. finished ten minutes later if they had walked. That's it. We sprinted. Our group sprinted when we were growing up. Come on now. Yeah, but you know what we did do. We worked the side of the street. We didn't. We didn't zigzag. No, we no, because we had a planned route, and we walked. We walked down one side of the street. Yeah, down and a specific back. roadway, and then mm-hmm. switched it when it dead ended and came all the way back. Right, and that's the smart thing to do, so you're not running across the street when there is possibly cars coming in. <laughs> now there typically wasn't a ton of cars going through our neighborhood, but since this neighborhood had a lot of outside people coming in there were at least when you were at the front of the neighborhood you had to Mm -hmm. be careful of cars i'll say this as soon as we got on the road saw flashing blue lights coming into the neighborhood i'm like "Uh what happened turns out the local police department was driving through neighborhoods stopping and handing out candy oh that's nice yeah my like wife, I mean, since we live right on the, you know, we're the first house on the street, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, the police stopped, they got out, they handed, 
the police officer got out with a bowl of candy. That's cool. I like that. Remember when we were running through our neighborhood with afraid of this truck, this alleged truck filled with high schoolers that were egging people driving by? Yeah, I remember. And then the and then then they flashed a big (laughs) spotlight on it. It Turned out it was the yeah. Why you running? We were running. We thought it was them, and we were running towards your house. Right. And then they spotlighted us, and I heard everyone freeze. (laughs) It's like okay. And I remember we told them why we heard there was rumors going around about people egging from cars. So yeah, jumped out of the way. Like, where do you live? Pointed to my house. Yeah, we're right. We're just going right there. there. That's his house. (laughs) Yeah, they let us go. They did. They were quick because he. I remember when we said when we said the 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 rumor about the the truck with teenagers egging people, trick or treaters. I remember him looking at us and going, yeah, I've heard that, too. I'm looking for them. So <laughs> he could see that we were a little young for for that crowd, I think. But yeah, not much younger, though. No, we, we maybe pushed a year it. Or two. We pushed it. But yeah, I mean, we Fun. did through we did through middle school, but then high school was out. Yeah, no, I stopped trick or treating sophomore year is my last year and that was in my new neighborhood in rhode island and i was being introduced i went to a halloween party to to like meet new more people and uh we want we all went trick-or-treating and you know that was fine but uh i stopped after no shoot i think i actually trick-or-treated junior year i remember going to a halloween party here in our neighborhood and you burst through the door dressed in a full ninja costume uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, and then I did the the I did the antithesis of that costume the next year. Uh, yes, colors. I do remember you showing up as a pastry chef. Yes. <laughs> How far do we want this to go? What's less <laughs> than, a, than a black clad ninja, a white clad pastry chef? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, goodness. But yeah, kids had a good time. You had a good time. We did. Uh, my brother, he actually uh, flew out to, to New England today. Mm. He's getting into Boston probably in another oh, shoot. Uh, probably another two hours. Um, so yeah, and he'll be there for drag. the next two weeks to acclimate to the new place. And then he flies back out on the 14th to here. And we'll celebrate my daughter's birthday. He'll, but then my sister-in-law and nephew go back to New England on the fifteenth. So is, is and, he out here on his own? He'll be out here on his own for two weeks, closing you know things what? down and packing things up, and he'll be here for Thanksgiving with me, but not not his whole family. So, but this is I'm, this was I'm their last Halloween. You. So I'll message you my number to give to him. So if he needs anything while he's up here, you know, especially since he's all alone, I mean. Yes and no. I mean, yes, but he does have a lot of resources back there now. It's not like him moving out here. Yeah, uh, but I mean, maybe he's just going to be twiddling his thumbs on a Saturday night. Maybe or maybe he wants (laughs) to, you know, 
come down for a football game or something. You know what I mean? Oh, he'd love that. He would freaking love that. Yeah. Oh yeah, let me know. S- send me the send me the number. I'll I'll get ta- I'll get it taken care of. You so. do what you can for family, blood or not. Yeah, that no, that is absolutely true. I'm actually taking off three days after Thanksgiving to help him pack. So. <laughs> oh, you're taking the three days off of after Thanksgiving. Oh, how magnanimous of you! Oh, it's great. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need the one day when he's already gone to just like collect my thoughts it's you know i i'm not i'm not looking forward to him leaving let me just say that but i support his move very clearly that too you know i think it's best for them and i want i want what's best for them so Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna be uh i'm not gonna be a selfish prick about it you know no and so that's good by the way did mention your name a couple of times on sunday to which people Sent their best, and of course, you know what my costume was. Yes. What did you dress up as, DT? I dressed up as one of those sci-fi guys. <laughs> An amalgamation of our podcast, basically. <laughs> yes. I Let's was see. actually able to pull off quite the combination. You did. So were you wearing, were you wearing a Jedi robe, or was that a trench coat? No, because it, it could have looked like robe, both. Okay, which is why it worked. Yeah, it because it, 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 it could have It had a it had a hood. Yep, I wore it yeah. over a button up shirt with khaki pants, very reminiscent of what Malcolm Reynolds wore in Firefly. Yeah. Brown coats and yep. And of course, the the Jedi rope looked like a brown duster. That uh-huh. And yeah, uh, Captain America's shield. I you did. pulled a Ryan Reynolds and Free Guy, where a little <laughs> yes, where he had where he had the lightsaber and Captain America's shield. <laughs> uh, correct. I also had a Deep Space Nine and Voyager era combat. You did on there, and yep. I topped it all off with a fedora. I thought that was your cavalry hat. Ah, what throws you off is because I do have an extra set of cavalry braids, which I, you know, the the tassel and braid that go around the hat. Oh, okay. That was on one of mine. So that is the DT Cavman part. Okay. I wore a Toe Mater shirt saying Trunk or Treat, y'all, that my wife made. Geared three in. years ago to when we went to Disneyland for Halloween time. So <laughs> I did my unit at Fort Hood many moons ago. They did basically a tank or treat. And all the oh, kids in the yeah. unit could go in and they the the various um distinct elements from the the unit would, uh, you know, have either their tanks or their uh, armored personnel carriers or their Humvees or something mm-hmm. decorated and be open and you have guys popping out the back of Bradley uh, armored personnel carriers handing out candy <laughs> or out of the out of a tank or out of a Humvee. That's and insane. That was that's great. Awesome. Everybody was dressed up. All the the colonel, the sergeant major, all the captains, all. The, <laughs> 
You know, I there, was, there was there was one young lieutenant who dressed up as Gru and a bunch of his soldiers dressed up as minions and just kept following him around. It was great. <laughs> we all dressed up as members of the super family. My wife and daughter had various um, Supergirl-ish outfits on. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I had my Superman uh, undershirt. It's basically a workout shirt on underneath shirt and tie yep yeah and i just put on my glasses and people are like that's clever you're supposed to be oh really they didn't get it well i get have to pull it open and they're like "Eh, sir why are you dressed (laughs) up and then i would just pull the shirt open because i left it on button pull the tie Well, now you're doing the Avengers, but okay. I did. I, I know. I was trying to do the the, the Superman. I would just uh, pull it open, and people would go, "Oh, oh, that's there good." It is. Yeah, yeah. Especially when I would stand next <laughs> to my wife and daughter, and the the guy who we had a guy who was really talented with a camera as our public affairs guy, and he took awesome pictures. So nice. We, we had a superhero pose pictures <laughs> but you know trunk or treats are cool when schools do it or when communities do it to try to be safe especially if there's yep. areas that aren't great but we did it for all the soldiers you know in our unit it's fun so halloween is a great time we we capped it all off by last night watching the legend of sleepy hollow the old disney cartoon uh from <laughs> we did 19- that too last night 49. 50 or 1949, yeah, with Bing yeah. Crosby as yeah. the narrator. And That's I will a tell dark you. Cartoon, by the way. Well, like the, the, the that three minute chase scene is a is is actually pretty can be a little freaky. Everything yeah. else is pretty lighthearted. Although they do very well in the suspense department, walking home. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a bunch of uh, fake outs and stuff that kind of build up. You don't normally see in cartoons nowadays. Like the slow burn. No, it was quite good. Uh, Yeah. And having lived near that area, I think it's fascinating. I've driven through Terrytown over the uh, Hudson River at Terrytown, right Mm -hmm. through the Sleepy Hollow area. Just ne- we never went down there. I guess it would have been kind of neat to have gone down and just kind of poked through. I know it's, the, I know it's technically made up, but it's still kind of neat. Yeah. No, but. it's neat. So, well, Halloween season is now over, and we move on to Thanksgiving, which right. is only three weeks away from now. By the way, it's not long, and we should be grateful and thankful. For season three of Lower Decks. Yes. Well, I was going to say I'm grateful and thankful for everything in my life. But yeah, we could throw Lower Decks in there. Yes. <laughs> Seconding what you're saying, but I was using transition material. Yes, you were. All right. So we're talking about season three of Lower Decks. And no, you didn't miss an episode. We are not talking about season two, nor have we ever talked about season two. We did talk about season one. But. <laughs> that being said, we can also tie up some. There are some connections to season two and some tie-ins as well. Oh, by the way, hold on. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Hold on. 
I'm opening up Paramount Plus and <gasps> month number five of free Paramount Plus. Oh, you I just I don't understand how it's happening. I really don't. <laughs> well, they've already confirmed that there is a season four of Lower Decks. So, yep, it's been renewed. Mm-hmm. So season two kind of up the ante. Um they eventually did bring Shax back. Yeah, uh, the Bajoran guy. Yeah, I love Shax. Yeah. So damn funny. <laughs> uh, I liked how they were like, well, don't ask him why he, you know, what happened to him. Just don't. <laughs> it's almost like the running gag in Faulty Towers. Don't mention the war on the German Yeah, show. don't mention the war. <laughs> Which, they, you know what? I haven't seen that that scene, and I don't think I could find it on YouTube. I've been looking. Oh, it, it's it's actually running gags through the whole episode is really what it is, but yeah, you you just gotta knuckle down and get faulty towers. It's damn hilarious. It is hilarious, but um, anyway, <clears throat> season two. Quick recap: they kind of well, they they expand, right? Boimler, they, the they, Titan. Yep, and then he gets transporter uh, duplicated, like yep. Riker. There was. <laughs> There's a lot of references or follow-ups to previous episodes of Star Trek. A lot of love to the, again, continued love to the, uh, no, brain freeze. Uh, A lot of continued love to the animated series, which is excellent. But, I mean, they have a a Gary, a couple of uh, Gary Mitchell references, which is pretty good. They yeah, have, they did. They have uh, cameo, you know, they have uh, mentions of past, you know, guest characters like the outrageous Okana being the DJ mm-hmm. in the big Starfleet party. Yeah, they had right. an entire episode of Lower Decks bouncing back between the Cerritos, a Klingon ship, a Vulcan ship, and it kind of bounces back and forth. And it that was, was season two? That was the second to last episode of season two. Oh, okay. Yeah. And each of these season ending episodes, they go pretty grandiose. And very Star Trek. Yeah, they go very Star Trek, very grandiose, and not not serious, serious, but the episode has the episode has um stakes to yes. it. Like real life altering stakes to it. Season two has some definite running issues with the packlids showing up in probably about half the episodes and yeah. Federation trying to figure out why and what's going on with them. And turns out that the packlids are being supplied by a rogue Klingon. And then Wasn't you get Duras. No, but he might as well have been. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid Duras that, that, it was not Pharrell. Yeah, should have been. It <laughs> should have been. Remember, he was the one who showed up in Deep Space Nine looking for the Sword of Kalos, like Worf and Core. And, uh, oh, I for, I didn't realize that. Yeah. You have, he wanted uh, to be Emperor. Yep. You have Robert Duncan McNeil come back as Tom Paris in the aptly named episode. We'll always have Tom Paris. A yeah. reference to 
will always have Paris, an episode from, I think, season two of The Next Generation. Mm, yes, yes. But well, you have... one one zero 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 one one zero zero one. No. That's for sure. You can't Definitely. mix that one up. You have... Uh, that's the episode where Boimler comes back <laughs> because the computer... <laughs> The duplicate, the transporter duplicate, there can only be one on the Titan. Yeah. So Riker sends what we assume to be the original Boimler back to the Cerritos while his transporter clone takes on the name William and stays aboard the Titan as an as a lieutenant kissing Riker's ass, which was pretty yes. funny. And suddenly and you, he's like kissing ass and, and like uh, being assertive all of a sudden, like Thought that was interesting, and he tricks he tricks Boimler Prime into not staying with the Titan, right? So <laughs> that actually leads you see into season three some of that. They have a um, lieutenant, uh, was it Lieutenant Kayshawn, who was ta- uh, who was Shaq's temporary replacement, first Marion yes. in Starfleet. So he's yeah. got <laughs> Shaka. Got a ref- <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of um, he would always, he would have run into a room and be like, Shaka, <laughs> or, or was it uh, Timber when the walls fell, or Timber when the walls Temba. fell? Yeah, yeah he, or he, he Timber his arms Temba. wide and Shaka when the walls fell. Yeah, yeah there was definitely like a lot of, but he but he kind of weaves in and out of standard Federation English and yes. whatnot. It was damn funny. When he gets uh, when he gets into a heated moment, he he reverts back to metaphor. Yeah, which you know, yeah. accurate. That's that you would uh, if it's not your first language. The, you would the revert explanation to your is that it overwhelms the universal translator at times. Yeah, I could I could understand that because it has to do a whole bunch of searches. Well, when you're when, in the original episode, Darmok, you could understand him verbally. You heard each word. Yeah, you understood yeah. each word. Because but put together, it didn't trans- mean anything. The universal translator just translated the words. It didn't couldn't translate the subtext. So, right. Anyway, season two had some good moments. They had some good cameos. Obviously, we mentioned Robert Duncan McNeil. There was um, there was a few others. Uh, they had a real deep cut cameo uh bringing back sonia gomez who was in like two yeah episodes of the original uh, of the, the next generation as a i guess she was originally planned to have more of a role and to be Jordy's be a love interest but yes but she was basically a lower decker there she was an ensign in engineering she was who's who's most was memorable role. right <laughs> Her most memorable moment. Or hot chocolate all over. Hot chocolate <laughs> all over Picard. Yeah. Which she alludes to in it's the episode. All right. Which was pretty neat. It was a good throwback. Some ensign falls that her ship gets into a mess in uh, the season finale or season two finale. She's mm-hmm. a lower decker, you know, and she's like, oh, yeah. Some kid fell. Oh, I'm sorry, Captain. She's like, don't worry, you should you should have seen the first time I I made a mess in front of my captain. <laughs> it was kind yeah, of, yeah. 
that's a good we, little that's a good little reference. I I'm okay with something like that. You were a fan of it when you first had seen it. I seem to recall. No, that's not so much. It's an Easter egg technically, but it's not an Easter egg where they're just throwing it out for the needless sake of throwing it out. No, in fact, she I literally was... they're showing an involvement of her character with that reference. Right, and it shows that the lower deckers, maybe our our people, can make that step at some point. It 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 was a it. It was a deep cut, uh, definitely, but I thought it was a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. You have um, I excretus the uh, the whole episode where they're being tested by this federation. Oh uh, yeah, uh, advisor or whatever, and they're all failing these. There's a uh, you know uh, simulation tests. Yeah. Yeah. Except Boimler, who's who's killing it, and he, he, <laughs> he he's keeps just going so back in ramped and... up. He has to keep. Yeah, he's trying to go for the perfect score, and he, eventually, when they find out that these scores are are rigged, <laughs> they have to convince him to stay in there as long as it keeps running. Then they can't be failed. The whole yeah. crew. He just he loses his mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is, his simulation was was. Uh... The the Borg the Borg cube right where right. He, he gosh he has to escape the Borg cube is yep, that what he, it was he rescues Borg babies he like seduces yeah. the Borg queen he <laughs> it's it, it's crazy and he's doing it and there there's all sorts of great references but season two was was a good way to build and you get um. There are things in season two that help build into season three. Uh, and then there, the season finale, first, first contact, sees the Cerritos having to rescue Captain Gomez's starship, which is about to fall into a planet because there's what the asteroid belt, it, it, it like... It reacts poorly to the hull plating of Federation starships. There were, weren't there globules of, of, gosh, not antimatter, but like subspace globules or something that, I'm trying to remember this, because again, like I said, binging binging a show does not help me remember a show. Yeah, uh, let's see. But they had to get rid of the whole plating. Yep, the Archimedes is losing power. The ship. Yep, Archimedes, Captain Gomez's ship, losing power, being pulled into a planet's gravity well. Modified Cerritos stabilizes the Archimedes with a tractor beam. Yeah, they, the the I think it was some sort of a electrical charge or something. They stripped the 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 hull plating off the entire ship, and yeah. they're able to make their way through it. And that was interesting, which is uh, the the, the crew had a task Mm -hmm. and they had to do it well because people were going to die. And it's during that episode and the season finale of the first season where I'm like, oh, okay, they're actually taking this seriously for once. And that's what felt very Star Trek-y. Like they got together and they started gelling because they had a mission. People's lives were in, in the balance. Yep. And it was important. To, to to get that job right, which I appreciated a lot. 
as funny as we drew the episode that precedes it that is lower decks on the three different ships it actually is a pretty interesting star trek story because you see you know things from different perspectives culturally and you see the uncover you know uncovering of uh, actually an ally you know members of an ally actually working to strengthen an enemy you know they've had they had some better star trek stories in season 2 which made mm-hmm. season 3 really kind of build up so yeah now you know, we talked you, about the ds9 episode in season 3 right pretty thoroughly but, oh yeah and it was it was so good because you know what, <laughs> lower decks. I, I can't say it enough. I know you don't think it's Star Trek canon, but it, yeah, they if even if not, they are definitely a true love letter to it, and I think they understand Star Trek pretty well, because you literally end, and of course, like many. After most first seasons, they really just try to get through the season. But this season, too, ended with a cliffhanger where Freeman is arrested for supposedly blowing up the Pac-Led homeworld. Oh, that's right. The Pac-Led's homeworld was destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Did that end on a cliffhanger? I, I, I could have sworn yeah. that they... Much like, oh, the end, much like the end of Strange New Worlds... Yeah, the, one of the key members got, was hauled off in handcuffs. Yeah, Una got arrested for being her, by the way. <laughs> well, this was a, obviously a bogus charge. And then you get the season premiere. Season three was fun. Was it the best story? Eh, not as much. It was definitely an Easter egg dump. You know, they did bring James Cromwell back as a holographic recording of Zephyr Cochran. Oh yeah, they went to Bozeman. Right. And they uh, turned they turned the, the Phoenix, you know, launch into a amusement park ride. Yeah, that's on a, a ride and they hijacked one of the <laughs> they hijacked one of the Phoenix ships and yep. literally used it to, to steal the Cerritos and there was a ride there was a, a, a civilian ride goer on there. Yeah. <laughs> Like that one random dude who always gets stuck in your in your group. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> just chill, man. We're just doing our thing. We'll yeah. get you back home, okay? <laughs> they also had, you know, uh, Tendi and, and Rutherford wanting to explore Earth, and they're eating at Cisco's Creole Kitchen. They were. And, and Rutherford <laughs> is wearing one of the same... Awful shirts that Jake Sisko would wear. It was great. Oh, he absolutely is. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Tendi and Rutherford sure. want to do tourist things, and, and Mariner wants to go and save her mom. Which, <laughs> yeah, all good with. But agreed. You know, uh, but then they do like a quick exposition dump at the end of the episode, where they're like, "Oh yeah, everything's resolved. Everything's good." They drop hints that, like, a super strike team is led by Kelsey Grammer's character, Morgan Bateson, from the 23rd century, who's now a Starfleet 
special ops dude in the 24th century, which is fun. But I heard some criticisms like, come on. You got to bring back Frazier, if even for a small voice cameo. He would do it. I mean, he's all he's all about the kids like voiceover TV show stuff. Hello, Jean-Luc. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> that would have been I'm a listening. great way. It's like, okay. It's like uh, years, whatever, 2278 or something like that. Like, Captain, we have a lot to discuss. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I'm listening. Well, let's see. The show ended in 2370, right? TNG? Yes. I was just saying okay. that was that was the running gig. That would have been a great gag. Yes, know, it would have. They ask him in the episode, "What you know? Does he know what year it is?" And he actually drops a year, which is mind blowing. Twenty two sixty seven. Why do you ask? Or twenty two twenty two eighty three or something? It was yeah. It was like the late seventies, early eighties to kind of fit in that. That uh, you know, movie era timeline. Yeah, the the red bomber uniform and everything. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it had been about thirteen years, I think, that uh, the captain uh, Bateson was there. But anyway, it was just kind of one of those. It was a visual cameo, which was cool, kind of like the Okana one. But and while the visual one with Okana. I I wasn't, you know, I wasn't looking for, you know, uh, Billy Campbell to come back. I would have been down for Kelsey Grammer back. Always. <laughs> oh, but, who wouldn't? But say la vie. Uh, He's so, busy you know, filming Frasier Returns. So. Isn't that owned by Paramount? Yes. If you're saying cross cross pollination, yes, it should have happened, but it didn't. Well, it's a shame. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, moving on. Uh, well, uh, Boimler, he's decided to be bold, Boimler, because bold is basically what his clone did. And got him a promotion to stay on the Titan. Yes. So he's tr- he's deciding, I'm going to try to do more things. I'm going to be Bold Boimler. And and that's the least dangerous game. Uh, <sighs> Tropical Paradise Planet. You know what? I don't recall much of this episode. He I'm ends up getting at- hunted. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm looking at the screen captures and stuff. Oh, and we get introduced to the cetaceans. No, we got introduced to the cetaceans in the season finale of last season. Oh, damn it. But they're they referenced all... in, in a mirror darkly. Right. Or dark mirror. Yeah. They always the want they, they always want uh, they always want Rutherford to like strip down and get in the pool with them. Yeah. Very <laughs> very naughty. Very suggestive. <laughs> That's what dolphins are, though. They're they're uh, they're amorous creatures. Needless to say, it was it was pretty funny. The the, the villain Cranch, or the villain the Hunter, and that 
it's just really kind of funny. You have the engineers. They have Mariner and Ransom, because Ransom is now going to watch Mariner like, uh uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, no, we'll fix this. You engineers go down to the planet and you do it. So he's keeping Mariner from going out of script. And it's just such a bad decision. They're not (laughs) doing things as well as they can up with the repairs. And the engineers are slowly or about ready to get like thrown into a volcano or something. It has been nice. They fleshed out a couple of the expanded characters like the chief engineer Billups, who has to remain celibate if he doesn't want to end up being the hereditary leader of this planet. And was that in the second season? I believe so. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and it's almost like it's like if Game of Thrones became a, a start, uh, became a galactic power because like they're flying in a dragon ship and it's all yes. sex and stuff. So I think that's pretty funny. Uh, but Billups is, you know, he's become one of those like Rutherford is his, you know, He's, he's basically his right-hand man, really, yeah. when you look at it. And so I mean, you get to see growth. You get to a point in the season, though, where now all of a sudden they drop Rutherford's deep, dark secrets. Last year they showed some attendee stuff where she admits that she's, you know, that her family were Orion pirates and she's turned against that because she doesn't want to be that stereotype and, but you get Rutherford, where he ends up battling his old personality that's trapped inside his techno babble, his, his implant. <laughs> it yep. turns out he was in this horrific starship accident. He used to build and race starships or something. He was a real dick. And then he gets into this horrible accident. It turns out he's being secretly rebuilt by some secret Star Trek pissed off the cabal. Which we wonder what's going 31. to happen. We know it's section 31. It turns out it isn't section 31. I know. No, I don't remember. Again, binge watching, not a not a good idea for me. Not they a do, good idea. They do introduce some other uh California class ships like the uh the Torrance. Carlsbad. <laughs> the Carlsbad. Where they, up, where they end up the two crews end up trying to compete with each other. Well, under- oh, they, they, they introduced the Fresno, by the way. <laughs> well, in the season finale, they drop like 15 to 20. Yeah. You know. 15 Cali class. Yeah. Like, oh, they named a ship after Fresno. How quaint. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of fun. You have the you have the episode where Freeman kind of goes nuts. Uh has a bit of a little bit of a breakdown while trying to give the engineers a break and they won't relax. They'll keep they're just keeping building shit and yeah. trying to solve problems. <laughs> She's like, you need to relax. And, she kind of breaks to relax. and there was that there, there was that um scientist that had this relaxation pod or whatever yes. that you, you would experience like 20 minutes of, of it inside and feel like you relaxed for six weeks or something along that line. Well, it was like the whole, she went to a, like a spa um, yeah. ship or something like that. And what went wrong that forced everyone to not relax anymore? Oh. 
you know, engineering crew feeling guilty response by creating a machine that's able to instantly distress people. And the spa loses their shit about it because you're like, you guys are going to ruin our business. Yeah, that's true. That's the engineers. They're just solving. And, and the B plot of that episode, uh, Room for Growth, Boimler, Tendi, and um, Mariner are trying to sneak through the bowels of the ship to to try to head off another shift so so they can get actual oh, the billets. Prime, the prime uh, room. Yeah, billets. Yeah. You say billets. I say yeah. I say quarters, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, prime quarters. Where they're every... So it turns, but then they end up like kind of arguing with themselves and there's all these weird things in the, in the bowels of the ship and then they're like you know what it, fine we're just gonna let them have it and it turns out <laughs> instead of getting four individual rooms which they thought that it was one it was like oh it's one room uh, turns out it was one was one big room with like separate bedrooms and Rutherford who's on this trip comes back he's like why the hell couldn't we have done that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good. That was good. I, I found that entertaining. I mean, the show, I, I admit, it's entertaining. And and I think we've gotten to the point where we agree to disagree about my thoughts and where it sits in canon. And, and that's fine. I'm glad we're there. Um, I, I But I'm at least able to, like, watch it and enjoy it rather than hate watch it. Yeah, I get it. You know? You get you get some hints of former episodes, like the episode Reflections, where Rutherford is basically <laughs> battling himself. Right? It's in, yeah. in some ways kind of similar to the episode where Bashir gets attacked by the Lethian electrical alien, and he's like trying to solve the mystery inside of his own mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that there was some, but that was kind of interesting, and the B plot of that. Is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Mariner and Poimler are assigned to recruiting duty. And they have yes. to set up a recruiting set right outside. <laughs> There's this. a pop-up. There's a pop-up canopy. <laughs> they have all sorts of, like, uh, truthers and deniers. And they're right next to this rogue former Starfleet officer who's, a, I guess, like an independent uh, archaeologist. Yes. Yep. The little bit uh, kind of Han Solo-ish, kind of Laura Croft Tomb Raider sort of mm-hmm. thing, which that pays off in later in the season, too. But they end up, Boimler loses his shit when they finally, everybody's just like beating down on them and, you know, harassing them for doing being Starfleet and then he loses his shit and he just calls them all out of their bullshit. (laughs) He's just running and like smashing their tables and, and yelling at them. And, and and then ransom beams down and finds out what's going on. It turns out it's not Mariner who wrecked everything. (laughs) He's walking Boimler down the hall later. And he's like, you know what, man, I get it. Lose your shit. And he's like, everything you said to these guys was absolutely correct. (laughs) <laughs> he's like, but I'm still going to the brig, aren't I? He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah. He gets locked away. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's like, this is, it's like the first time I've ever gotten in trouble. You get to see that he's on a vineyard, you know. You get to see all of these people's, you know, a little bit of everybody's backstory. At some point, we all know a lot of mariners because their dichotomy with her mom is is prevalent through all three seasons. But 
you start to see a little bit more background of the other characters. You got some of Tendi in season two. Now you're getting Rutherford in season three. And in the first episode, you get Boimler, who's growing up on a freaking raisin farm. Yeah. And, and it's staffed with all of these hot, horny women who keep coming on to him. him. And and he keeps just blowing them off. He's like, like, oh, yeah. Of course you need. He's like, like, how do you, would you like to see how I squeeze the grapes? And he's like, no, damn it. This is what you need to do. And they're all like baffled. Like, why isn't this working? And he's dressed like Picard was from All Good Things in his vineyard outfit. A lot of great references. But I got to tell you, when you think of Lower Decks, you think of the ridiculous and there are, but you also get some of these heartfelt moments where Rutherford is is just so he's, he loves his job, and so he's all he wants to do is like build shit and solve problems. And you know, Tendy, who's just so excited to be in Starfleet and to learn, and she's constantly trying to get Doctor Tana to notice her, and you start to see in the season where Tana is is uh actually giving her more and more things to to do but it's fascinating i i enjoy it i uh go ahead well dead air i i i find that this show just continues to perk me up and draw me in. I didn't think I was going to like it at all because I thought they were going to make a mockery of it, which we have both said numerous times when discussing it. But I think they're telling some pretty decent Star Trek stories, some good sci-fi. Is there some humor? Is it ridiculous at times gratuitous? Sure. Are some episodes just Easter egg dumps? Sure. Did the whole peanut hamper side plot episode get weird it got weird it got weird oh, was that weird she's peanut hampers having sex with this alien griffin weird very weird that ain't right man i'm actually looking up the voice of peanut hamper right now yeah i um, kind of thought it was like Kristen shawl because it sounds like her but it's not no. i've never heard of the actress before no, she's been in stuff though. She, but I think the most prominent one was "You're the Worst," some TV show on FX, I think. Yeah, I know. I I I I hit it. It was just, you know, obviously after Peanut Hamper is 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 captured, and then she she's just the worst. She like escapes from. <laughs> You know, the machinery people and then she or the the scavengers and then she ends up trying to. I mean, she was just kind of an asshole to everybody on the planet that she ends up on these avian species. Until she, oh, my God, has a change of heart and starts having sex with the chief's son. And <laughs> that, that, but then you, it, it seems like she's taking a hero turn. And then at the end, when she can actually. Do something to help. She yoinks out again. Well, she's got she commitment issues. 
She's afraid oh. of she's afraid of disappointing people on uh, when it's out of sight of her control. That is total horseshit. I agree. She's completely selfish, self-centered, and manipulative. Yeah, agree. And, and she at the end when the Cerritos and the Avians all find, find a way to defeat the scavengers, which by the way, the lead scavenger is played by JG Herzler. Kapla. He also does play a uh, Martok is a, a pl- like the narrator of like a Klingon Dungeons and Dragons game. Hilarious. Yes, the Calron pack. That was that was good. The Calron pack. That was that good. was excellent. I, I appreciated that. But then you get the return of Jeffrey Combs, Agamus, where they drop in Peanut was Hamper that in this at the episode? Desert. No, it was it well. Was. It was in the it was at the end of the uh, peanut hamper episode where she's stuffed in the evil AI prison. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, and they're and like getting chummy, chummy. Yeah, too chummy, chummy. They'll be back. That's right. They're, they're at the Daystrom Institute, right? They will be back. Yeah. So that one, I. <laughs> Well, it was definitely out there. I won't turn it. I won't say it wasn't. No, it definitely was. And then uh, we got Crisis Point 2. This is a big episode for Boimler. Oh, yeah. So, I don't remember Crisis Point 1. That was the season one episode where Mariner has this, like, uh, holodeck fantasy where she's, like, the evil bad guy and she's, like, fighting all the Cerritos crew and she ends up getting into a huge brawl with the with herself okay and it, it had okay. all the homages to the movies like the long drawn scene of the crew coming up by shuttle to stare lovingly at their starship yeah. all the signatures across the screen all that stuff mm-hmm. so this is Boimler's we got a, turn. A part two yeah right. boy boimler's uh turn to do it and just as the, the, the show is about to start, Boimler gets some news. Right. And he's affected by it. Yeah, and he just keeps looking for the deeper meaning. It's like it's like Briscoe's looking for the coming thing on steroids. Yes. <laughs> and while Tendy and Rutherford go off on the high-paced action adventure, uh, with Tendy being put in charge by Boimler... He goes looking like on all these side quests. And Mariner's like, why are we doing these side quests? Aren't these like NPCs? What is this? <laughs> and, yeah. And then they just get further, deeper down the rabbit hole. And, and Mariner's like, what the hell is going on? Meanwhile, Tendy's fully taking charge and running through this. And But <laughs> but Rutherford's like, oh, yay, cool. And he's like eating snacks while doing it. And he's like, oh, this is so fun. And Tendy's like, this is not fun. This is. She turns out she <laughs> likes the responsibility. And she gets pissed at Rutherford, who's not taking it seriously. He's like, wasn't that the point? She's like, no. And turns out she never really thought about being a captain until somebody gave her an opportunity, and she turns out she likes it. She's just kind of upset that Rutherford, her best friend, won't support it. So you get that little heartfelt moment, and then you get... 
Boimler breaking down and admitting that he, the ransom told him that his clone, William Boimler, was killed in some meaningless shipboard accident. And he's just trying to find meaning in life, kind of. He got kind of claims he got kind of Tasha Yard, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's two there's there's two fantastic cameos in this episode. The first is when he goes on his rampage and starts and the computer program is like spitting out all these bullshit, you know, cliches and and platitudes and whatnot. And he he finally just loses his shit and like breaks shit. And then he wakes up, walks into a barn kind of reminiscent of Star Trek generations. And he's like, oh, my God, is that Captain Kirk? Hell no. It's Hikaru Sulu, George Takei himself, who actually gives him some pretty decent advice. <laughs> yeah, Hikaru Sulu, who is uh, helping Kirk's uh, ranch. Yeah, exactly. Helping or Kirk he out it. at his ranch. Didn't he buy it or something? Did he buy like it? Sell it or something like that? Oh, yeah. No. It was- how do you buy something in Star Trek? Um, I don't know. Or he was he he inherited or something. It was they explained it was <laughs> he ended up taking over Kirk. No, it was it was like oh no, this is like the cat. This is like the Captain Ranch. It's like oh now it's mine. It's like <laughs> you get it yeah. when you go captain. It's a nice there. little nice little dig at their uh, feud, in my in my opinion. <laughs> but still, it was it was it was fun. It was great to get George Takei back. It was kind of nice to get Captain Sulu some love. Where Boyle yeah. was like, "Oh my God, you're Captain Sulu of, of the Excelsior," which is fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. Came out of left field, but I liked it. And then, you know, almost like an after credit scene, a Defiant class starship decloaks. And I'm like, oh, is it the actual Defiant? Because uh, mm. I didn't think that anybody else had a cloaking device. But then, <laughs> but then they show a, a torpedo, what you know, one of those uh, photon uh, caskets, and opens up, and there's William Boimler. And it turns out his death was faked by so he could join Section Thirty One. He gets the little yep. black and white badge or whatever. And he breaks out into maniacal laughter. <laughs> so again, the 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 transporter clones definitely go out and do some shady shit. Just saying. Just, just saying. a little bit. Just a little bit for some weird, weird reason. But now, but the bold Boimler is coming out. You see him on Prime Boimler, and then he, apparently. He got all the, the, at least some of the more common sense and morality. And the other guy got all the bad shit, kind of like when they split Kirk in two. And um, uh, what episode was it? It was like one of the earliest episodes of the original series when Kirk gets split in two. Good Kirk and bad Kirk. I thought that was an android. No, nope, it was a, come on, man. When in doubt, it's a transporter I know. accident. I know. I know. Oh, I man. Captain Kirk. <laughs> Allow him to go it full Shatner. Oh, well, I mean, 
Shatner knew the, their last episode. He could just Shatner all over the place. And it was no one would, last episode. No it, was have... early, it was an early episode. Janice Rand was still I'm, in it. I'm still thinking about. I'm still thinking about the. It, may, it reminded me of the the series finale, which you know was a weird show because it was Captain Kirk being taken over by a female soul. There's there's just something strange by that. A little bit. A little bit. Now, the penultimate episode of this season brings us back to another early next-gen plotline. The planets of Brecca and Honoria. The, the, the Say No to Drugs episode. Denise Crosby's yes. real last episode of The Next Generation. Where Freeman has, after, you know, kind of hinting at it in the first season, it's like when they had to go back and, and fix that planet that was worshipping the computer. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we go back to these planets? Why? <laughs> so she's developed Project Swing By, and it's got tentative approval to go and visit, you know, ships like the Cerritos, this is, you know, this is kind of like what, it's like second contact for planets that aren't asking to join the Federation, I guess. Yeah. It's a swing back by and see, hey, are you still horrible? (laughs) (laughs) And, and they, they, they decide to go to the planet that was all drug addled as like this prime example, and there's a reporter on board. Everybody's on edge. Mm-hmm. Freeman wants everything to go perfectly. Because we know what those reporters are like. They've got right. an agenda, man. Right. And, <laughs> and they reassign <laughs> our, uh, our favorite lower deckers to opposite duties to make sure that they're never around <laughs> with us. So that nothing happens because Freeman's trying to prove that the Cali class are valuable and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go well. Something it always goes wrong at every stop. And Mariner's getting pissed that she doesn't get a chance to, to say anything. And everyone's like, no, don't say it on letters. And then she she ends up getting a chance to say her piece. But during this episode, you get the away team and the reporter beams down. Like, oh, hey, you're the Starfleet. Hey, welcome back. How are you doing? It's like, uh, <laughs> how are you guys doing? Sorry it took us so long. Like, what can we do to help? No, we're good. You're good? Yeah. Well, yeah, what the yeah. Enterprise did for us was was great. It's like they had this mural, and it's like, sees it going. They're all reaching out, like, in peace. It's like, yeah, and then there was, like, a 13-year dark period. Uh, and then this, that's also, <laughs> it's, like, it's like murder and death. And then it's like, and now Fair everything's good. <laughs> yeah, now they're all CrossFit bros. It's they're, true. They're, yeah. They're super health nuts. They're like working out all the time, running everywhere, like drinking water bottles and, and stuff. They're like super fitness geeks. They're like, nah, we don't need you. Peace. Well, <laughs> and Freeman's like, uh, the reporter's like, well, this isn't looking good for your program. He's like, well, let's go and check out the drug dealer planet because we kind of ruined their economy when we cut off their ability <laughs> to, to sell it. And they show up and they're like, there's nobody here. And then they see someone. She's like, no, you got to run. And then she gets vaporized. And it's 
the Breen. Seen the for the Breen. first time since the series finale of Deep Space Nine. And they've mm-hmm. taken over the planet. And they're big douchebags again. And the ship's getting pounded and pounded and pounded as they're trying to leave before a starship shows up. The new Texas class, uh, a drone starship that's super powerful. Yeah, drone starship. And so the Texas class helped helped uh, the Cerritos against the Breen, right? Yes, it did. And this was which admiral was this? Their their pet their little pet project. Admiral Buenamigo. Yes. Admiral Goodfriend. <laughs> which, which probably should have tipped us off that he wasn't Buenamigo in the slightest. <laughs> A pretty obvious name. He was no Bueno. No. He fell back into the bad actor admiral. The corrupted the corrupted admiral, yeah. Yep. Ugh. But he seemed like he was on their side for the entire series or season until until the last episode. But like they rescue him. He's like, hey, yeah, hey, good news. The Texas class, uh, they're going to replace the California class. And everybody's like, bitch, what? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, gets kind of weird, you know. The, and the big bomb is. They nuke. You know, Mariner goes in and then like the reporter leaves in a huff and then everybody's like, oh, my God, you you blew this up for us. You're terrible. And everybody but her three friends on the lower decks turn on her. Cam Freeman's so mad. She transfers Beckett to the deepest, darkest hole in Starfleet, the. Uh, apparently the horrifying, the miserable and the inept Starbase 80. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> which people had hinted at being, don't send me to start, you know, it's like, oh, I'll transfer to Starbase 80. No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> the Fort Polk of Starfleet. Is that what Fort Polk is known as? I didn't realize that there was an equivalent. Fort Polk, Louisiana is, um, it gets a rap. Because uh, it's in, kind of in the swamps of Louisiana. You have to go there for training rotations. And it's... it's You're like breathing water. It's just that <laughs> monkey down there. It's, it's a bit of a mess. But anyway, it's just... <laughs> it's one of those places that gets a reputation. But this is like the... Starbase 80 is like the place... It's like the boogeyman. It's like... It's like being sent to Starfleet Purgatory, so to speak. So Mariner gets sent there because of this, and you get some brief pictures of these inept, goofy dudes and those shitty crew, you know, those shitty civilian crew person mm-hmm. uniforms that were in all various different colors, the, the 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 red, yellow, and blue coveralls. Yeah. <laughs> really crappy. Yeah. Oh God! I I got a kick out of that. I thought that yeah. was fantastic. So, when it turns out, it's literally everybody else who just loose lips sunk the ship, 
Shax is telling stories. Everybody's telling stories about like the ridiculous things that go on that just torpedo it. And then when they cut to Mariner, she's the only one who says beautiful, glowing things about things. And everybody's like, oh my God, we were so awful. Because <laughs> they basically <laughs> drummed her off the ship. Even that's right. Even Beckett's girlfriend, the Andorian named Jennifer, which is weird to me. I kind of hope they show it like a like an alien looking spelling, but still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mariner ends up hooking up with this uh, smoke show uh, Andorian named Jen, who she had been beefing with in season two before they started hooking up. Um, right. But even she like just turned, they all turned their back on her. I mean, Tendy Rutherford and Boimler didn't, but still. And it turns out they flash back. Mariner is a, now riding shotgun with Petra Aberdeen, the crafty Laura Croft Tomb Raider-y uh, sneaky archaeologist. Yeah. You know, the, in, the Indiana Jones and slash Laura Croft of, of the Star Trek universe. And they're riding off into adventure to go save artifacts. Everybody else is sitting there going, oh, no, shit sucks on the Cerritos. <laughs> Which leads directly into the next episode where the Cerritos is basically back at what looks like Starfleet headquarters or something. And uh, the Starfleet brass are like, oh, well, we see how great the Texas class has worked out. And we can save lives, and they're powerful, and they take commands. They're in the California class. They're old. They're beat up. We don't need to put their crews out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they decide to do a, a showdown of the Cerritos versus the Texas class. What was the name of the Texas class ship? Because it wasn't the USS Texas, that's for sure. The Alito, which is yeah, apparently a town of like 2,000 people. So it must be <laughs> somebody's hometown because um, it's, you, you know, you fear to be like the Dallas or something, you know, which we do get the Dallas later on. But, you know, you figure it was going to be Houston or something more recognizable. Then again, Cerritos, not as recognizable as even Fresno or san jose or something like that no <laughs> fresno's got name recognition man <laughs> right so now freeman tells the crew that they're now competing for the sake of the entire cali class and they're doing a contest to have to go from one spot to another in the ship and balloon amigo's like oh, i'll give him a little head start but they have to like drop they have to put a base down and they have to replenish supplies and then they um, have to like they get halted on the I think it's the planet where they have to put down the the base like no we can't build here we have something that looks like it could be be life yeah but the so they had to stop against their better judgment because it was protocol Right. And the Alito just went ahead and dropped it. But... Right, and left. And so the Cerritos essentially loses. Then Freeman proves that 
without people, they couldn't follow protocol. And it is Starfleet. It was the prime directive to make sure that they weren't interfering with life and calls Buen Amigo out on it. And then he goes full evil admiral and says, no, screw that. I'm going <laughs> to, he basically, and he turns the Texas on them. And it turns out Buen Amigo is the bad guy who Rutherford was working for. And the code embedded. In, in oh, yeah, because throughout the whole episode, despite everything going on, Rutherford's like, oh, my God. And he's looking at all the specs of the Texas class. And he's like, this is so cool. And everybody's like, why are you so fascinated by the people trying to put us out of work? And then he this discovers. This is my code. Yep. And he brings it to Captain Freeman, who calls Admiral Buenamigo out on it. And he's like. Eh. And he goes like full mad admiral cackling and says, I'm going to have the Alito destroy you and all this stuff. And then the ship turns on Buen Amigo and blows him up, starts attacking <laughs> the, star, the star base. And the two other ships of the of the Texas class, the Te Dallas and the Corpus Christi come out. They start just wipe, you know, just destroying the star base and attacking the. Cerritos, which can't really mm -hmm. do much against its firepower. Then a Sovereign-class ship shows up. Beautiful, by the way, in, in the animated rendering. But it soon gets disabled. And the Cerritos draws it away by saying, Hey, I know you, you're kind of badgy in there, the homicidal AI with daddy issues, <laughs> according to Freeman. And the, the Alito and the, the, all the Texas class ships start chasing the Cerritos. And they're like, you know, the whole give me everything you've got, Scotty. <laughs> Before it finally gets overtaken and knocked out. And, and, and meanwhile, Mariner's running back and forth across the galaxy, liberating. They basically did a Raiders of the Lost Dark where they, where they liberate a, a Klingon. Uh, yes. Idol that looks a lot like the monkey idol. And they're fighting. She's fighting off Ferengi. And then she's a little suspicious of Petra. And it turns out that she's actually rescuing these things and bringing them to either to the rightful owners or whatever. And she's being funded by Admiral Jean Luc Picard. I forgot about that. Name drop only. Yeah. No picture. I forgot about nothing. that. But Picard is funding this intergalactic uh, artifact recovery. And somebody like Petra is doing it. But Mariner convinces her to turn back and they go to help the Cerritos. But while she's doing it, she also calls in. All the California classes and like 20 of these ships pop out and Boimler just does the whole cartoon overrun of naming things. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a family guy tactic. Yeah. He just yeah. goes in, in and reads off the name of every starship. There's like 20 towns with some like like Los Angeles and, and others that come up. But there's other like less known the Cerritos, the Oakland, the Alhambra, the San Diego, the San Clemente, the Sherman Oaks, the Vacaville, the Burbank, the Fresno, the Santa Monica, the San Jose, the Sacramento, the Culver City, 
which I bet you didn't know about. The Anaheim, I'd Riverside, heard of Vallejo, it. West Covina, I bet you didn't know about. Pacific Palisades, the Redding, the Eureka, the, the Mount Shasta, which I don't think there's actually a Mount Shasta city. It's just called Shasta, but whatever. Uh, the Merced, don't ever go to Merced, by the way. It's awful. Um, the Carlsbad and the Inglewood. Yep. So it was it was fun, and they all have they all show up. And they're like, "Hey, we uh, Cali class here to do some damage," and they do. They do. Yeah. They they with <laughs> they their powers the combined, they, they are, are Captain California. Ah, <laughs> so. oh, yours was better. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> always are. Uh, Needless to say, the Texas class gets blown up by the, the California class, and. Admiral Buenamigo's plot is is blown into shit, and he's dead too. And yeah. Then Mar- Mariner comes back, and she's brought back onto the crew. She decides she wants to come. And flashing back to the 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 penultimate episode of season two, the, they actually get a new recruit assigned to Cerritos. Talen, the Vulcan rebel. From, yeah, the Vulcan rebel from the other low, lower decks uh, crews. Yep. That's right. I forgot about that. That was so... They, they played that really well with the crew just not liking her and saying how <laughs> she was such a rebel. It, it was all just all the dead emotional outbursts. Yeah, all the emotional outbursts. And they were all just deadpan. It was all deadpan delivery on everything. I did I did enjoy that, the uh, demonstration. I, I did as well, my friend. And you know what? Kind of thought that this person would show up in season three. And there was nothing. So I'm like, oh, that kind of a loose thread because <laughs> the captain was like, no, I'm transferring you. He's like to another sh- Vulcan ship. It's like, no, I think you could probably go work with humans because of how emotional you are. He's yeah. Like, okay. So I thought we were here before now, but they drop her on the episode. So you know what? I like the payoff. Slow uh-huh. burn on that one. Now here's the question. We'll talk more about the show in a second. I mean, they've made it very clear that there are Starfleet ships that are that are all Vulcan. We've never heard anything about Starfleet well, ships being all a, Andorian. That was a Vulcan ship. That was not a Starfleet ship. Uh, good point. But there are all Vulcan Starfleet ships. Well, uh, in mostly... Apocrypha stuff, beta canon, and even things like Prelude Axanar mm-hmm. in the early days of the Federation. By the way, you just got sued by CBS for saying Prelude to Axanar. Oh, shit. I got sued, too. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see him try. Yeah. Some really bad press. <laughs> Trying to go ahead and sue a disabled veteran. Mm. Not a good look. Not a good look, but they'll do it. Because that's what CBS off. is. Nah, they'll pay me off. 
<laughs> they can't afford any more bad press on their Star Trek. They really can't. <laughs> They're really on their last legs. <clears throat> I feel like gosh, them and Star Wars are on on very thin ice right now. And I think Star Wars is un, unfortunately irrevocably damaged because no one's talking about Andor. No one. And that that's a crime. I know. It's a good show. It's an excellent show. I haven't seen it since episode three, but I know it's good. I know here's, it's well written. Here's the <laughs> problem. It might be exceeding the Star Wars fan base. That's the problem. It's venture. Mean? It's venturing into like reboot Battlestar. And as far as writing and subject matter, I'm not saying that Star Wars fans are dumb in any stretch of means. I'm a Star Wars fan, love Star Wars fan, but it's yeah. different than the, it's not space opera right now. It's more cerebral. It's very cerebral. It's kind of some of the things that they got, people get pissed at in the prequels. Mm, a little too much thinking involved. Eh. Which, Needless to say. I have noticed that I've had to like not be distracted with an iPad or something while watching the show. I need to I've give it to my full undivided attention. Agreed. Yeah. It's worth it, though. Need it. Need it to help your brain. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. That being said, lower decks. Man, they 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 do a good job of setting up things to come. And in addition to the thought that Agamus and Peanut Hamper will come back as villains for the Cerritos, it's great because no one chews scenery like Jeffrey Combs. They're building off of their own mythology at this point, which, which is I like. Great, because it's connected. It's, it's, it's good. Con- it's connected to the wider Trek universe. Exocomp, good, right? That's a kind mm-hmm. of a deeper cut. Jeffrey Combs, who's been in some of the best Star Trek, but even still, Section Thirty-One. There's an issue. Not bad. This is. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun because Boimler's goofy, even his evil clone. But now <laughs> they also did a post-credit scene where they show that Badgie is still alive in Rutherford's old uh, old implant, which means oh, I missed that. I didn't see it to the end. Oh, I know because they usually don't. But I had to go back. They don't do post-credit scenes, and then they did. That's so. the point of a post credit scene right there, man. That's the point. It's supposed to be like to 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 really pay it off for the Uber fan. Here's a prediction. Evil Boimler from Section 31 will free Peanut Hamper and Agamus and they'll all team up with Badgie to try to destroy the Cerritos. Yeah, I'm not going to bet against that. I think you're. I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. One more Jeffrey Combs. Yep. 
I'm always down for that because his his Agamus last season was pretty funny. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. Especially when he's like, "What do you need me to do? I can just get you right off this planet." <laughs> didn't he say something to like Mariner? He's like uh, about like her being hungry. And he's like, "Do you really think you need to eat right now?" Like, calling her fat. It's just so yeah. <laughs> mansplaining and put downy. It was. Yeah, I loved it. But it was. I loved all of that. So, that was so good because it was his voice. Is perfect for all of it, and they just let him be him. It was so good, and I'm down for more of that because he makes Agamus fun. He He's does. an original villain with a with a guy you love behind it. <laughs> yes, yes. I'd also and that's be true. down. He is an original villain, which I appreciate. Right. I'd also be down if they run into the Scavengers again. Because any J.G. Hertzler is good for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I gotta tell you, this season, the cameos have been good. Some of them have been integral to the plot. As we talked about with the Deep Space Nine episode, that episode is somewhat of a sequel to several episodes of Deep Space Nine. Or if not a true sequel, at least a carry-on of some story threads. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. both Quark and Kira were key players in the story. Yeah, no, that that's true, too. And they should have done that that way, because that makes sense. They needed to do that, because the 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 the, the fans wouldn't have tolerated otherwise. It would not surprise me at all if you get a voice cameo from 90-year-old William Shatner at some point in season four of Lower Decks. Because he's a pure ham. You're thinking William Shatner. William Shatner. Hmm. He wouldn't be... He. I don't think you'd get a cameo. I think you'd have to give him something. Like an actual different character. No, like a role. I, yeah, I, like... I, I'm, I'm sure he'd be back as Kirk. Oh. Watching a simulation. Maybe Boimler, in his quest to become captain, ends up having like a pocket Kirk or something. It's like pulls out like this little pad where it like <laughs> checks like no quotable quote, quote quotable from kirk you know it's like reading kirk's autobiography but it's being read by kirk it's like uh all i'm all i'm thinking of is the oscars when william shatner playing kirk interrupted the intro for uh seth mcfarlane saying you gotta stop because it's terrible you can't do this <laughs> And then he shows a clip of what was going to happen, which was, we saw your boobs. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. That would be fun. Um, Colomini, I think, could come back. Because they've already shown O'Brien love, I think they could get an O'Brien episode. You could? Oh, yeah, easily. Easily. 
I'm all for it. I want to see. I was that. not expecting George Takei. I was really not expecting George Takei. No, all. no, and uh, it was well played. I didn't think it, it was. was. Too good. It wasn't grotesque. It was. It was just right. And it took me a moment to realize. Oh, that really is George Takei. <laughs> Takei. And here's <laughs> here's the thing. The wisdom of Captain Sulu is something that it would have been nice to have seen more of. You got some in hints of it in the undiscovered country, a little bit in flashback in Voyager. Mm-hmm. But well done. Yeah. Yeah. If absolutely. Can, if you can give that amount of gravitas in a short period of time while still being amusing, you're doing it well. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So what would you grade this season? Hmm. Letter grade. A minus. Yeah, I'd give it a B plus. I'm right there. I'm not far off. I think it was I think it was enjoyable, and especially with my cognitive dissonance of it. <laughs> I can enjoy it for what it is. And uh yeah, I mean, it wasn't perfect uh, a lot of the time, but it was still immensely enjoyable, and it was a good Valentine to Star Trek lore. I do like that it's not just like uh, a running gag clip show reference every week. And they have stories it's gotten to better. tell. And they've built on their own mythology a lot like the Orville did. And this is what I'll say about the Peanut Hamper episode. That was entirely original. <laughs> yeah, it was. The aliens I'm not saying, and... I'm not saying it's solely an original idea, but it's not like a rehashed Star Trek episode. No. No. And it Agreed. builds off it, and it and it does give you the twist at the end that Peanut Hamper still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like yes. you have a chance to redeem yourself, and you fucked everybody. And you did. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you messed it up. Yep. Which I can I can appreciate. I can appreciate. Uh, it was definitely <laughs> it was a new idea. I I applaud them for going out out there on that limb. And they probably needed to wait till season three to pull it off. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it just makes that that much sweeter to to have that uh, come back. You know. Well, they had a fan base. And they had people who could kind of see what they're going with. And they went weird with this episode. Mm-hmm. But they did. I, I, I'll give it a thumbs up. I won't say it was my favorite episode because it most certainly wasn't. Even if the Deep Space Nine episode wasn't in there, uh, it wasn't. Uh, but I, I definitely give them a lot of credit for that, for their guts. That one took guts. The Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine episode was almost perfect. Not going to lie. Not going to argue. Yeah. I'm right there. If you were to go ahead and give it a percentage for me, it would be about a 95%. I'm right there. Yeah. With about a 5% margin of error. But... <laughs> No, I mean, when you think about it, you're going to throw in a 5% margin of error. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I could say all the Deep Space Nine characters I would have loved to have seen again, but you only get three. Four if you count the station, five if you count the wormhole. Yeah. But you get Quark, you get Kira, and you get Morn. Let's not forget that Morn was in like three or four scenes. Didn't still didn't do or say anything, but he no. was there. Yeah. Have we seen any of his ilk talk like in Discovery or anything? Hmm. I don't know, but we have seen them. Right. I think it would be a great running joke in Star Trek if they keep showing the Luperians some interest anyway, race name but if they keep showing Morn's race and lots of people commenting on just how talkative they are but you never see them speak no no this is true a consistent gag you know well, I mean, they've they've done it so far. They've done it so far. They did seven years of it on Deep Space Nine. Yes, they did. I was talking to Morin the other day. God, he can't stop talking. <laughs> this is true. Um, okay, anything else you want to wrap uh, uh, discuss before we wrap up? Well, they've given me enough plot threads that I'm curious to see what comes of it. I'm actually curious since they brought us back to Talen coming back at the end of uh, from season two. Talen, excuse me, Talen. I'm very curious to see if we see the Klingons again. Because they were kind of probably will. I mean, I know we'll see Klingons again. I kind of meant like the Klingons from that Lower Decks episode. Will we ever find out? Will we see the Packleds again? Will we ever find out more about it? I mean, was it just the one ship or was there is there more? Oh, who was responsible for framing Captain Freeman? The Packleds. They blew themselves up. That's right. <laughs> That's a pure Packled thing to do. You know what? The writers give kudos to the writers because they they did they captured that pretty well. <laughs> I mean, they, they were I mean who else Klingon? is going to blow up the packlets other than the packlets? We had to test <laughs> the bomb. Uh, <laughs> and despite that, they still made the Packleds intimidating at times. Mm-hmm. They were so. a problem. Well, I mm-hmm. mean, even Good Samaritan, uh, or the Samaritan, no, is it Samaritan Snare or the Good yep. Samaritan? Samaritan? Samaritan Snare. They were, they were problematic. They were, they, they were dangerous. And it was, it was scary because it was like, it was scary, like giving a monkey a gun, a loaded gun. In that sense, like you, you don't want to be around that at all because no. you're going to get hurt. Yes, agreed. But uh, so. I got to tell you, Lower Decks did another good job. I'm actually disappointed I don't get to watch another episode this week. 
Uh-huh. I know they're sticking with the 10-episode format, but I would kind of like it if they bumped the next couple of seasons up to, like, 12. Do we I know when season four is coming out? just says 23 right now. I mean, oh, season... That's so far away. It's probably going to happen... <laughs> I mean, they, they, they drop in, probably like, May. September, May, or, you know, maybe... No, no, no. It'll be, like, September, like this year. Have they been dropping them every September? I want to say it was August in in because I remember watching it in um, in Germany after I got sick. So season oh uh, August, August they dropped uh, them in August. Yeah, they dropped them in August. Okay. So August sixth, August twelfth, August twenty fifth. So it's either August or September because it looks like they're. It's like a week later every year. Yeah. So needless to say, it'll be sometime at the end of next summer. Okay. Well, I'll be, I'll be excited for that. I'll be interested and I'll probably still have free Paramount plus by then (laughs) with the way this is going. (laughs) Ah, remember I believe. And when are we getting the, is the crossover with strange new worlds? In Strange New Worlds, or is it in Lower Decks? I bet it's in Lower Decks. I can guarantee you it's in Lower Decks. That's going to be the only way that they could pull it off. Unless they literally have the voice actors get all dressed up like their characters in some weird, like, uh, mashup thing. That would be kind of fun. They could. They could do it. I mean, each of these characters looks very remarkably close to what their their uh, voice uh, actors look like. Close enough for government work, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even Rutherford. <laughs> I mean, all of them. I mean, uh, I mean, even... Eugene Cordero's <laughs> in everything now. But I mean, Jerry O'Connell. Come on now. He would he would do a good uh, a good commander ransom <laughs> in person. Yes. I, I mean he would you know. <laughs> Shacks would be a problem. Well, I mean the funny thing is I think Fred Tesh your facially wouldn't look too different because I think he's yeah. got a, a big mustache too. But like Shacks is built like a brick shit house. He's huge, so. So, uh, Dr. Ta'ana. Ta'ana. She actually would look like she would look good as a cat. Maybe. The character. uh, Gillian or Jillian Vigman. I think that we will probably just have the lower deckers themselves. That's not fun. I want all of them. I want this to be hard for the writers. Because, <laughs> you know, they don't have a big enough task ahead of them anyway. Living up to the legend of Star Trek. What so. do you think? Do you, do you think Mike McMahon is, is like Diet Filoni? He's quietly close to it, yes. I mean, he's a huge fan. He's not of Star Trek, but he is a fan of Star Trek. He genuinely loves Star Trek. 
Oh, I know. Like you can the Easter, see that. The Easter eggs they pull out is rather impressive. I cannot yes. lie. But and, and he always wanted to write for Star Trek, and this is not writing for Star Trek. I've I've explained that again many times, and you can disagree with it, and that's okay. And I do. It's an interpretation, and and that's fine. Um, but he genuinely loves the he genuinely loves the mystique and what Star Trek is. I can see that. Anyone can see that. Well, dude, this he doesn't want to change fiction. Star Trek. I don't think you would call this fan fiction. This is just too close to the surface. It is too close to the surface. I mean, it's technically officially Star Trek, so... Well, it's officially Star Trek because Paramount is stamping it. Yes. So, what was your question about Mike McMahon? Oh, Dave Filoni. I I called him Diet Filoni. Diet Filoni. Probably... I don't know. Star Wars is going through a weird thing right now, too. And I don't ah. know if it's because of. Watch Tales of the Jedi. I, I've i heard nothing but good things. I do need to it watch. Received, Are all, I, all six of them on there? Yeah. And some of them are yeah. as long as 20 and some are as short as like 12 or 14. 20 minutes, minutes? really? There was like wow, one that went them. to like one that was went to like 19 minutes or something like that. Okay. I shit you not, dude. I think it was a hundred percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes in its first week. Okay, I'll have to look it up. They were um, excellent. Right after I finished watching Dancing with the Stars, which is also on Disney Plus. Dude, I watched Ugh. like the last four episodes in an hour. <laughs> well, eighteen yeah. minutes. Yeah, the first episode's 18 minutes long, Life and Death. Oh, Jesus. So we're seeing the birth and, and origins of Ahsoka and Dooku's... Okay. And Mace Windu. And Yaddle. Oh, I heard Yaddle talks normally. She does, and she's good. What was the in-universe in explanation for why Yaddle talks forward? Nothing. <laughs> There wasn't one. No one addressed it. The episode why, wasn't why, long why would they that. do that? Because it was Bryce Dallas Howard doing the voice. Oh, you know what it was? I, I, I OK, now I remember. I know you need to go. We need to cut this. Um, Yaddle is like 400 years younger than Yoda. And Yoda was talking in the syntax that they talked when he first became a Jedi. Yeah, I mean, 400 years is a lot, even in a long-lived species. Have you uh, tried reading anything written 400 years ago? It is a slog. I don't like it. <laughs> so I, I'll accept that for now. So Liam Neeson is back. Oh, son of a bitch. Well, yeah. They got him for that one day, and they're like, okay, Liam, we need you to do this, this, and this. Read this, and read this, and read this. <laughs> Here's lunch. Here you go. Read this, too. <laughs> they got him for the one day, and they could, <laughs> they could stretch that out. <laughs> the, the, the Filoni extended properties has given us more Qui-Gon Jinn than, 
than any than than what he than got the movie. The, the movie, yeah, yeah. So, and I liked Qui Gon, but all right. Well, on that note, <laughs> anything else before we sign off? Watch Tales of the Jedi. All right, words to live by. So, on that note, everybody, you're about to say something. No, you go. On that note, everybody, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everyone, and thank you. And on All Saints Day, my friends, we'll see you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.